This is Bedside, a podcast series on a mission to debunk sex. I'm your host, Tatiana, and each week we uncover stories, ideas, and expert information to help guide you on your ever-evolving journey of deep love, relationships, and good sex. Oh, and a little bit of manifestation sprinkled in there too. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bedside Podcast. I hope we are doing well. I can't believe we've officially kicked off summer. It's so crazy to me. I hope everybody had a good Memorial Day weekend. I hope that everybody found some ounces of relaxation, rest, whatever you were up to. I hope that it felt very nourishing. I literally love seasonal shifts, and I feel like Whenever I get on the mic to do a solo lately, it feels like I'm always doing so with a seasonal change. And I think that's usually when I feel most called to come on the mic solo because there's been a lot of like shifts and changes. And with the new seasons, I always feel like I have new ideas and new happenings and new rituals. And so I am very excited about the summer because I I'm working on some of my own new pleasure practices that I'm excited to bring in and kick off into the summertime. I also feel like summer is just so sensual. And I just love this season because it feels like literally like everybody's just wearing less clothes, like a little bit more carefree. You know, people are really advocating to go on vacation and make carve out time for themselves. So I love this season. And so I'm really excited to kind of get into my own reevaluation of what my pleasure practices are for this summer. I'm also very excited to get into my monthly archetypes for the summertime. So for those of you who might not know, I created this practice about basically developing a monthly archetype, which is where at the top of every month, you kind of create this persona, this archetype, if you will, of who you are excited to step into for the month. And it's very much helped me in my own manifestation practices, in building my pleasure practices, and basically kind of like reclaiming my time and energy. Because as many of us know, a lot of our lives are built around kind of these systems around us, the things that we have to do, the to-do lists, the errands, the work obligations, the, you know, just relational obligations that we have. And so creating a monthly archetype, creating a pleasure practice is basically my own reclamation of that, basically putting myself first and leaning into the version of myself, the higher version of myself that I see for that upcoming month. It's very fun. And if you're curious to dive into a bit more of this, I have an episode titled, I think it's titled How to Craft a Monthly Archetype and Harness Your Sexual Energy. So I will link that in the show notes below. We also have a free downloadable monthly archetype template for you to create your own and basically build your own homepage for your life, if you will, based off of this monthly archetype. So anyways, long story short, I'm very excited for the summertime to be able to get into some of my archetypes. I just, it's a, it's a whole new page that's been turned and I am really looking forward to kind of exploring that and seeing what it means for me and, you know, unpacking the entire evolution of it. I am here today, though, to record a very meaningful solo episode for you. And honestly, it has taken me so long to have even the confidence to come to the mic and talk to you guys about this. And now I think is the right time. I want to like preface if I get emotional at all during this episode. It's just because um, this was something 
that really changed and shifted a lot for me. And my journey with dealing with mental health and overcoming certain things has been, of course, like so emotional, but also so rewarding. Like, I don't know if I would change anything, which is so crazy. And I feel like a lot of people who go through hardship say that. And it's kind of crazy because there is a part of me that's like, I wish I didn't have to go through any of this. And like, it would have been so much better. But I see the version of myself that I am because of what I have experienced and what I've dealt with. And I am blown away at the version of myself that I've stepped into and become. So basically today, I am sharing my mental health journey. I'm going to go about it kind of in like chapters, if you will. I had to like really, really section this out because I was like, wow, there is a lot here. Um, And for any, you know, I, I really want to record this for the version of myself that felt like I didn't have any resources and who felt like I didn't know anybody else who was dealing with this and felt like, quote unquote, the only person in the world who, you know, was dealing with mental health struggles. And I am literally making this episode for me because it's like I kind of I'm this is part of my healing, I think. But also I'm making this for anybody who's struggled with mental health. I'm making this for a younger version of myself for the resource that I wish I had at the time to be like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. What the heck? Um and side caveat, you're never alone in your in, in anything, right? I feel like that is a trick that the brain likes to play, being like, you're the only one, but it's like, of course you're not the only one. So I am I'm ready. I'm ready to kind of dive into my story and share my high-level takeaways, my tips, my resources. So if you ever find yourself in this position, if you have a loved one in this position, if you just want to get a deeper understanding of this experience, that there are tools here. I remember just feeling like I didn't have any tools and I didn't know where to begin. So I want to kind of create this to share a bit and also just like give you guys a bit more of like a human glimpse into things. And I really, like I mentioned a minute ago, I see this as such a silver lining as you'll hear as my story unfolds because this has helped me to step into a version of myself like I can't believe she exists. Like I sometimes am blown away by the version of myself the version that I am currently of myself. And I get really, really excited to see and envision that next level version of myself. So without further ado, I think let's get into this story. And I just want to make a quick caveat that if you do get really triggered around the topics of panic and anxiety, that we do touch on this during the episode. But like I mentioned, I'm going to keep a lot of these topics high level for you because I want to kind of share the full breadth of the story and really honestly like give hope to this and kind of reframe everything around going through a mental health season, going through maybe a darker mental health season. So let's get into everything, particularly the story that I wish I had heard when I was dealing with all of this. Okay, so let's start at chapter one, which I guess we can just title chronic people pleaser. So 
since the beginning of time, I feel like I have been a chronic people pleaser. I have unpacked this a lot in therapy. I won't go crazy into detail here, but basically I... As a kid, I remember having kind of like a phase where I really struggled with making friends and I think feeling like worthy of friendship. This has like a whole other like layer to it, which I'm just going to keep private. It doesn't have as much to do with um, the story that I quite want to get into, but I remember always just being like wanting to make friends like in elementary school and like struggling with it a bit and really, really then learning that if I could be a people pleaser and if I could assimilate to other people and not be controversial in any way that I could make friends. And I don't know like why this conditioning quite came into place. Like I said, there's a lot more to it. It wasn't quite black or white, but a part of me felt like if I could be a people pleaser, people would like me. I think many of us can relate to that. And this translated into kind of when I went into high school and when I went into college that I ended up kind of not having a lot of boundaries because of being a people pleaser. Now, I don't remember ever like I was such a social butterfly in high school and college. Looking back to it wasn't until I was later in my 20s that I kind of looked back on my elementary school years being like, oh my God, like there was a part of me that actually struggled making friendships. But if you ask me or if like many of my friends know me from high school and college, they're like, what? Like you struggled making friends? Like they would have, they would never have believed it just because of how much of a social butterfly I am and still am to this day. And I think it's always been innately in me, but there was a part of me that learned that if I people pleased, like I guess people would like me more. Who's to say, right? <laughs> but it ended up making me not having a lot of boundaries, which um, translated for me into literally having like I could not make a decision on my own I remember and I kind of for a long time like leaned into the fact that I'm a Libra that like they're very indecisive but like to this day I even still sometimes struggle like making decisions but not as badly as I used to there was a time and place where I could barely make a decision for myself. Like I needed to pull the people. I needed everybody's two cents. And I think a lot of my friendships at the time revolved around kind of this weird power play where in theory, like a lot of people had control over me unbeknownst to me and kind of unbeknownst to them. And it wasn't until I started working on boundaries and changing boundaries and kind of coming more into my autonomy that I actually realized how much it played out in my relationships because I was like, oh my God, you know, like so-and-so actually has been making so many decisions for me and we both didn't realize it, right? And so I found myself in this position, like quite boundaryless, but then like trying to get back into my boundaries. Um, this kind of will circle back in a bit. But when the pandemic hit, we're kind of like jumping timelines now, like many, many years later, but like still kind of working around like me feeling like I'm a very indecisive person and like I needed a lot of input from people. So during the pandemic, a lot happened for many, many people. And I just like want to send so much empathy out because so much shit hit the fan for me that like I have a lot of empathy for this time because I know so many people's worlds were flipped upside down. For me, I just like there was a lot 
percolating for me. I think that's the best way to describe that time. So I left New York City. As many of you know, if you've been listening for a while, I used to live in New York. I left during the pandemic. It was crazy. Like that was bananas. And I ended up going home. I lived at home for a couple months with my family and my partner. That is like such a long story for another time, but (laughs) that was crazy. Shout out to my family. Like, thank you so much for having a warm, soft place for all of us to land. (laughs) That was absolutely bananas. And I, again, like I just so much empathy for everybody during this time. Weird times. So I lived with my parents for a stint. That was interesting with my partner. During this time as well, I didn't really loop anybody into this at all, but I was actually going through a legal lawsuit with Bedside. And like Bedside was still kind of new. Like I like this was a passion project of mine. I was so excited to be like talking about these topics in this space and like a pretty big name in sexual wellness and health, like basically kind of gave me not a cease and desist, but like it was really intense. I had to bring in an entire legal team and it turned out to be like a crazy legal battle for the name of Bedside, which unfortunately, like I had to strip the rights of using the Bedside name for anything outside of the podcast. Thank God I was able to secure and save this, but like it was crazy. And I just felt so saddened because I was just like, wow, like I'm just out here trying to like passionately talk about this topic and why is this large company coming for me and also I just couldn't believe that um someone in the space couldn't like like I don't know I again like my naivete here it was just like why are we competition like why can't we be friends anyways that was like such an emotional toll for me I kind of like suppressed it a lot, but that weighed on me. I I kid you not, it kept me up at night. It woke me up early in the mornings at like five in the morning. I would be like up and out of bed. Like I just like could not sleep. I'd be like emailing my lawyer. She probably thought I was fucking insane, but I was just like, I can't sleep. Like we have to figure this out. And I finally settled the case, but it took a really, really, really long time. And it was hard on me because it was just like kind of dampening my passions. It felt like someone was just like really attacking me because they were. And I just like it, it during the pandemic, it just was like a lot of extra stress. Okay. So a lot is percolating. Then I have this weird like incident at my house where my so I come from like a family of medics and like people in the medical field. And again, like really, really crazy COVID times. There was like a moment where people were like, do you like, do you know if you have antibodies or not? Like you can test if like you've secretly had it. And I was like, I know I don't have it, but I had a family member who was like, you know what? You, I, you were sick right before everybody went into like lockdown. I like, I just got like a classic flu, but, um, they were like, I want to test if you have antibodies. So anyways, they took my blood like at home and in my house and I ended up passing out. That's never happened to me before. It just was a really, really freak, weird incident. Like, it was fine. No one was hurt, but it kind of freaked me out. Like, I was just like, whoa, I hated that. Like, I did not, like, I mean, who likes it? Like, no one likes that, but it just, like, was a weird time, and it kind of triggered me more than 
I wanted to be triggered. I know these are like a lot of different parts and pieces, but they're going to come together. And I find them really important because again, like I really, really wish that I had heard a story like this. And I've heard, as you'll hear, like we'll get into kind of my recap of all of this, but I've heard a lot of people talk about like these specific things, um, specifically like phobias around passing out, which we'll get to. Um, but I just wanted to like I'm saying all these details because these are the details that I wish I heard. So had a weird incident. Like it's fine, it's whatever. Like we are good. I am good. Um, but it just was kind of like unnecessary. Like looking back at it, I'm like, again, people making decisions for me. Like I knew that I had not gotten like COVID or whatever at that moment in time. I was like, that was a flu, like weeks prior to this pandemic coming through. I was fine. And um, Like, I did not need to, like, go through the lengths of that. But again, like, I just leaned into somebody else's worry and I was like, whatever, like, I don't really care that much. So, um, they did it and they're not a phlebotomist and, like, they, like, it just was, like, a scenario that I should have said no to, right? Like, I should have used my autonomy. Anyways, it happened. We're fine. We're safe. Um, moving on. So, I'm living with my family and then my partner and I are like, you know what? This is actually a really good time for us to... Like, we've always wanted to move out to LA. Like, we just, like, don't see our home in New York anymore. We don't know if we've ever really felt it to be home for us. Um, We want to find home. We want to, like, settle down somewhere and, like, create roots. So we decided to move across the country, which is bananas. And I track that through a lot of the podcasts. Again, if you've been listening... (laughs) If you're an OG listener, like you've you've been here for kind of my move and my whole transition and driving across the country. It was so much fun. It was crazy. It was wild. But again, like just a lot of transitions. So I just kind of I'm framing all this to be like a lot is percolating. We have a pandemic. I left New York City. I'm moving to New York. I'm going through a lawsuit. I had a weird passing out incident, which really like shook me. Um, That will come and unfold a bit more later. There's a general unease like there's a lot percolating (laughs) and it makes sense. Like everything tracks. And I moved to LA and around this time I was just like feeling all of this craziness and a lot percolating. And I was like, I think I need to go to therapy. Like I, I just like, I haven't been to therapy in a while. I just, I feel like I need to talk to someone. Like there's just a lot going on. I'm going through a lot of transition. Like I just moved to a new place. I remember like, it's crazy, but like moving here, I just was like, I feel so settled right now and so in my worth right now. But like when I moved here, I didn't, of course. Like I felt so unsettled. We found this insane apartment that like I couldn't believe we found, right? It was like a, it's a unicorn home that we live in. Um, and I remember touring it and being like, I am not worthy of this, thinking that I'm going through this, what would be a $10,000 a month place in New York City in Los Angeles being like, oh my God, we must have accidentally like gone. I must have like been on Zillow and accidentally like not had the pricing like max on it. So we're touring this place and it turns out like it's only like $50 a month over our budget. And I'm like, do we do it? And I'm like going through this whole like low self-worth spiral. And then I'm like, what am I doing? Like it was like one of those moments that like like I got smacked over the head and I was like, put in the freaking paperwork for the apartment. This is yours. You deserve this. Like these are the shoes you are growing into. Like this is your this is what you were manifesting. Um unbeknownst to you, right? Like the like all of these like transitions you've been going through, like this house has been waiting for you. I really feel that way about like where I live, where I'm situated right now. It could not be more fucking amazing. <laughs> but yeah, so anyways, I end up going to 
therapy because I'm just feeling like all of like these things percolating. And like even too, like being at home for three months, living with my family again, like over like a really, really stressful time, like shit just came up. Like it just was, there was stuff I was like, dang, I actually like kind of want to unpack this. I had no idea like this was something that I still wanted to explore or something that was a trigger for me. So again, like this, all of this, I see this as a silver lining. Like this was so important. I needed things to get revved up and stirred up because I was very comfortable, but I was secretly uncomfortable because I felt like I was not living up to who I wanted to be, right? Like I was just like in what appeared to be comfort, but things needed to be shaken up even more. There needed to be just some discomfort so I could be kind of like super launched into quantum leapt, if you will, into where I am today. So I go to therapy. I'm just like feeling this general unhappiness. And, um, it was at this time that I had, when I had moved to LA, I had had a group of college friends who lived in the area. And it was one of the reasons that I was like, I knew I wanted to move to this neighborhood because I had had friends who lived here while I was living in New York. I visited a couple times. I was like, this is magical. Like, why don't I live out here? So I came out here and I was like, okay, I've got some pals. Like, this is great. Long story short, I ended up going through a massive friend breakup with these group of college friends. Truthfully, I wish them so well right now. I have no animosity. Again, I really think all of this needed to happen. I needed to just see some things and realize, like, are these the types of people that have my back? Are these the types of people I want to be hanging out with? And to go back a bit to that younger version of myself who felt like I needed to be a people pleaser to make friends, this is when I came full fledge up against this scenario. Okay, so it was faced with a scenario. I'm not going to go into too much detail here for privacy. And again, it's just like not that important to get into the nitty gritty, but they were really good friends. They were people who I called my best friends. But I realized that there were some things that just were like fundamentally not lining up in our dynamic. And I ended up kind of just, there was a shitty scenario that happened and I just kind of like called it quits. And it was the first, and I was in therapy in this time. And it was the first time that I had ever kind of been like, I am going to just take a seat back and not people please and see what happens. And my therapist was like, I think this is the perfect time for you to do that because she was like, regardless of how this scenario plays out, she's like, you are just getting information. Thank God for this therapist. I just like shout out to Lily. I like I see literal like lilies around and I think of her this to this day. She was like a saving grace for me. She was like a beautiful, beautiful guide during this time of massive grief. This was so painful for me. And I had to confront myself during this time and just be like, are these, these relationships are good. They're not great. And to let go of something that was good, but not great, was really like, like that was so crazy wild. Like I 
had this little voice in the back of my head that was like, you deserve even more than this. And it's like, I could have settled. I could have hung out there. I could have accepted this. I could have stuck in my people-pleasing tendencies. Like, I could have done the thing. I had a lot of fun with these friends, right? It was very high, high, low, low, but I had a lot of fun and I could have hung out there, right? Like, it could have been fine, but something in me was like, it was like out of my control, honestly. Like, I think that's what happened to me. I had such a wake up call with the universe, like shaking me because they were, it was probably whispering me to for so long to make these little subtle shifts and moves. And I wasn't listening. Like, I realized I'm someone who needed a massive wake up call. Anyways, so I had a really shitty friend breakup with an entire group of friends. Like, having one friend breakup is already bad enough imagine an entire group of friends. But I do have to say, like caveat going back to me being like a super social butterfly, like this was not my only friend group. This is just like a significant college friend group. But I still have and to this day and like had at that time, like a really amazing support system of friends who were like, yeah, like taught, like we have felt this way about this group of girls for a while. And they were there to kind of like verify things for me. And um, I just was like, you know what? Okay, like I'm ready to like step into this and like literally like step into an insane amount of grief and just like figure it out. And so this this whole thing happened and I feel like with everything that was percolating leading up to this, it was like my cup just overfilled. Everything just bubbled over. It was way too much for my system, like absolutely inundated my system. I had gone through so many transitions. Like every single thing that had felt like a former support system was no longer with me, right? Like my support system of my family was across the country. My support system of my friend group that I thought I was coming to, no longer here. My support system of what was a familiar home, completely gone. Support system of like a local community, gone because I just moved to a new place. Like I felt like I was free falling, you guys. And my cup just completely overfilled. And so I just want to take like a quick caveat in this story to talk about this concept of like your cup overfilling. (laughs) It is just such a real thing. And when this picture was painted to me by beautiful Lily, beautiful therapist Lily, I felt so much relief because um, it was almost just like being able to be like, oh, okay, this is like what happened like the, the the reason i feel this way is because of all this and so if you have ever been or if you are in a situation in your life where you just feel like like the cup is slowly and slowly and slowly overfilling if if you could even relate to this concept right it's just like a little drip of water here and a little drip of water there and it's like all these little drips compiling to like completely overfilling something and so this friend breakup for me was the cherry on top it was like like floodgates breaking opened like let's go and you know that's what happens when the cup overfills that's what happens with a lifetime of another analogy here of putting things under the rug of just quickly compartmentalizing things, not really acknowledging emotions for yourself. Like I literally was just denying myself a feeling for so long and just kind of like trudging along and persevering. And like, I think a lot of people get this way with burnout, just keep going one more step, one more step, one more step. And I had no idea how to sustainably take care of myself so that basically I I wouldn't deal with a scenario like this with a cup overfilling. And so this was my rock bottom. Like this was my 
absolute rock bottom. I've, I had never felt something like this in my entire life before. And it completely spiraled me out of control. So I just want to say, if you've ever been in a situation like this, first off, you know exactly what it feels like. The good news is that once you walk through the fire once, you usually, the fire will never get as bad as it once was. Um, You're familiar with it. You learn tools and resources along the way. You equip yourself so that you don't get to a place like that. And we'll get to this a bit later, but I now know how to completely manage my cup to always be half full, okay? Like we we aren't ever intentionally going to try and overfill it again. Now I know life events happen and there are, there are circumstances in which like cups can just overfill, right? Like you can get really unexpected shocking news about something or like something can change overnight unexpectedly and that can really really quickly bring you to an overfill moment, but I would like to think that now I've gotten myself to a resource place that if there were to be something like that, like I know the tools, I have the resources, I know how to not like push myself. I know how to acknowledge my emotions now and just like be that person and that higher version of myself that can take care of myself too at the same time. Come, I've come into my autonomy completely. We'll get to this. We'll get to this. Okay. Anyways not to sidetrack. Okay. I just wanted to talk a bit about like your cup being overfilled because it's just such a thing. So for me, my cup overfilled, I would say like my next chapter here is my rock bottom. So with my cup overfilling, I had my first, but it wasn't really my first, but it was my first ever conscious like adult panic attack. I, and like rightfully so, like I just I was so overwhelmed. Like I my body was like like just went into fight or flight. And it was something that really just caught me off guard, right? Like because I'm coming from like a version of myself that like was very comfortable, was pretty happy go lucky, like just like hadn't experienced any of this. And I was like what? Um fun fact, I actually did have um, like now like and having gone through therapy and like realizing like a lot more about having anxiety and stuff i realized this younger version of myself this elementary school version of myself who felt like she struggled to have friends also suffered from panic attacks at the time though i didn't know what they were i was just like oh i'm so uncomfortable like but those were a type of panic attack so anyways like funny to and interesting not funny but interesting to like jump timelines from this like younger version of myself who struggled with this to like a very adult version of myself who was just so thrown off guard by this sensation kind of like had memories of it but being like what the heck anyways so because of this and because compounded with grief compounded with like the pandemic and people not really socializing and the world just feeling a little lopsided i feel like i just my my world instantly got like crushingly small and i just like couldn't shake off the feeling of panic unfortunately it was something like i was just so hyper vigilant for i was worried it would happen i was like continually like i remember after that first panic attack like i was in a continually like rolling state of like panic and grief for a couple of weeks like it would just be like rolling in and out and i had no idea what to do. I was like so thrown off guard. I'd never experienced this. And like the funny thing with panic is that like the more, 
the more you resist it, the more you like freak out about it, the more you like stay in these weird perpetual loops of it. So I just, and but the thing is, I didn't know this at the time because I had no education around what this was. And it just felt like I was the only freaking person in the world dealing with this. I didn't have language for this. I didn't have education for it. Everything just felt like freaky and lopsided. And I remember Lily at the time, like, again, such a amazing, like, resource for me just kept being like you are in a ton of grief right now and like you are like this is the like physical manifestation of the disorientation of it and like those words have stuck with me so much ever since like just helping me to label my grief as disorientation um and being like okay like these symptoms but still we hadn't gotten to the panic attacks at this point this was very much like talk therapy like hashing through things like quite traditional so we were just like talking a lot about these concepts but i was still so in a charged state that it was like also really hard for me to talk about these concepts and i'd like be pretty panicky before going into zoom therapy and it was just like it was really hard on me the one thing though that i do want to highlight about this time is that when i was in traditional talk therapy and this is why i just like shout out to lily <laughs> I loved her so much. She really introduced me to a lot of concepts of like spiritual concepts. And it's always been something that has been so important to me. I remember like I've always been someone doing yoga since like the literal dawn of time because I have a mom who like brought me to yoga classes growing up. And unbeknownst to me, like I it helped me go through like teenage heartbreak because I like I remember going to yoga and like surrendering and like all these different concepts. And I knew when I like was working with Lily that I was really interested in this stuff and somehow trying to figure out how I bring in my own kind of spirituality and my own kind of like divinity into me like like how to restore that into myself like it was something that I was so curious about and so Lily really really helped me with this and I'm going to tell you like a bit of a sidetrack story so which pertains to all of this but I remember the night that I kind of realized that I didn't want to be hanging out with this group of friends that I had this friend break up with um it was Halloween and I was at a party at their house and they had this like hill in the backyard and people were like going up to this hill and like I don't know like people were just like being hooligans all around and like I go up to this like hill and I'm like chatting with people and all of a sudden this was the weirdest sensation like I cannot explain this to like you're gonna be like I've never had this happen to me what are you saying I had there was like an owl living in the tree up on the hill which everybody was talking about and I was like, oh, cool, whatever, like completely forgot about it. When I go stand up there, I'm standing and all of a sudden this owl flies out of the tree and I kid you not, like four flies four or five feet above my head. And it was like, I, I can't explain the sensation of having a 10 foot wingspan fly over your head about like four feet above your head. Like it was like, I was like, what just happened? And also, owls are silent. 
they're like predators, like night predators. So like it didn't make a sound. And all of a sudden I just feel this like feeling of this owl go over my head. And I'm like, what just happened? And everyone's like, oh my God, that was the craziest thing. Like this owl just flew over your head. It was huge. Like everyone was talking about it. And I was like, wow, that's so weird. Anyways, I somehow like bring this up in therapy. Don't ask me why I decide to bring this up, but I see my therapist's eyes like light up. And she's like, oh my God. She like kind of like excitedly freaked out. Like she like lifted up her computer. She's like, oh my God, like my computer right now is sitting on this book called like, I think it's called like the signs of spirituality or like symbol, spiritual symbols or something. It was like literally a textbook, you guys. And she's like, we need to look up like what owls mean right now. And so she's like going through it and she like finds the page on owls and she's like, like literally almost like tears in her eyes. She's like, she's like, these are like, really really divine creatures like you just basically had an insane like divine experience and I'm like oh my god tell me more what the heck so basically like Lily starts like reading me and like reading this entire experience and she's like I think owls are like a spirit guide for you she's like this is so crazy but she's like uh, to give you like a little preface on owls they are they're predators they're like night creatures they are like in spiritual text they're not like a bad or a good omen they just are like they they tell things how it is like they are they see in the night they see through the dark they like they can navigate anything through darkness and they are like they are guides through that and so she's like you were going like basically like I told her this story way after I had kind of like left this friend group but I was like hmm I'm gonna share this random detail and she was like you know, you are navigating a really, really dark time. Like it's super disorienting for you. You're dealing with like panic and anxiety and like you don't know up from down. And like, this is your, this is your guide. Like these, like this was a crazy message for you. And it kind of rocked my world. And ever since owls have been a really, really important part of my spiritual process, they are my spirit guides. And I'll get into a little bit about that. But basically, I'm working with Lily. We're making some progress. And then unfortunately, Lily like had, I think she had like just a crazy family event happen. She kind of told me this on our last session. It was really abrupt. And she's like, I am so, so sorry. I know we've made so much progress, but she's like, I, she basically had a life event and she like, we had to pause our practice, like our work together. And I remember just being like so devastated because I was just like, my God, like this is like one of my only like lifelines and it's leaving and what the heck. And so again, though, like divine timing, like we'll get to it. This is gonna be a long episode, you guys. I'm so sorry. Like we're just like buckling up. We're in it. So, um, so we stop therapy. It pauses. I remember just being like so disoriented. And then I'm like in the park with my partner and literally that day. And I think it was that day day to the year now that I'm thinking of it oh my god you guys because that incident happened on Halloween with the owl and a year later a year later I it was like close to that date I was in the park with my partner like I had like Lily had like just left and I was I was sad about it and I'm in the park and I see four great horned owls like just in a tree. And guys, like I live in freaking Los Angeles. Like there's no, like what? I like grew up in the woods 
in Pennsylvania, like outside of Philly, like I barely saw owls. And then like now I'm in Los Angeles in like a pretty big park and I'm just like casually seeing these amazing massive creatures just like hooting at each other. Like I'm not even kidding. Like people were walking by and everyone was stopping and just like really it was so breathtaking it was so majestic like to see these creatures in the wild they were huge and I was just like oh this is my son from Lily like I was just like I'm gonna be okay um like we're this is this is my sign and ever since I've been like owls come to me in my dreams um when I really need them most like they come like they're not there like on a regular basis it's like when I am deeply in the in the shit like they appear in some way whether or not like in physical form or in dreams I think they come through as different family members or ancestors like it's really crazy and they have been literally my guides through the darkness and it's just been so transformative and I thank Lily for teaching me so much about symbols and working with the divine like that was my entry point into it and ever since it's like kind of super sped itself but um, anyways, so let's get back a little bit to the story. We kind of like deviated on, on spirituality, but it is a huge part of kind of like how I was able to overcome this and like come into myself. So Lily leaves, I'm kind of spiraling out. I'm just like, what the heck? Um, at this time I'm reading this book called It Didn't Start With You, which basically talks about like a bit of intergenerational trauma and like how it's passed down. I have like a family lineage of like family members having gone through like really crazy shit. So um, I was just like, I remember feeling and like talking and like leaving off talking with Lily being like, I feel all of these things. And like, yes, my cup overfilled, but also I just feel like this, this feels larger than me. Like these emotions feel so much bigger than who I am. And I, a part of me, like looking back on it feels like it could have also been denying myself a bit being like, um, not wanting to accept it. But also there is still a part of me that's like, yeah, like, I I do feel like there's been a lot that's gone on in my family. And um, I was reading this book, It Didn't Start With You. And it was crazy because at this time, guys, um, my brother calls me around this time and he just is my younger brother. And he's just like, hey, like, I have been dealing with these panic attacks. And I was like, shut up. Like, what? Like, what is going on? And this is why I was like, I feel like this had a little bit of like genetic encoding to do with us. Like, my parents don't really deal with stuff like this, but I think it like kind of skipped a bit of a generation. Also, like, the reason my parents don't deal with this, I think, is because, again, like, I don't know. My parents might be listening to this. Sorry, but a little bit of like suppressing emotions, whatever. We won't get into it. I don't want to like, dive into family dynamics, but I think like it skipped. And so it was really interesting. And again, these are just like more and more confirmation for me being like, this is a human experience. Like it is okay to be someone who's like dealt with panic in their life. And like, I was just getting hit with more and more and more and more circumstances of people who had dealt with this. So I'm just like getting more and more like reasons of trying, like not feeling alone, but I'm trying to like succinct this and like carry on a bit with this story. So my brother calls me and then um, I'm in this weird interim with therapy. Now, 
like Lily had left and they were like, you should be getting a new therapist soon. And I remember the practitioner like of this practice calling me and being like, I'm sorry. Like it was taking a while. Like it took like almost maybe like two months. I like went two months without a therapist because they were like trying to find someone to fill me in in the interim. But like I remember the head of the practice being like saying to me, um, you know, I'm sorry this is taking so long, but like we know that like you're not in like a dire situation. So like you're okay. And I remember like talking with her on the phone and thinking to myself, wow, like actually I kind of am in a dire situation. Um, I on the outside might look okay, but like my world is crumbling inside and um, my world is shrinking and I am not well. And I remember thinking that and being like, I like, why doesn't anyone like, it wasn't, why doesn't anyone believe me? It was more just like, okay, like I guess. And that's, that's just the crazy thing with mental health. Sorry guys. I'm just trying to like articulate everything. There's so much like here, but I think that's just like the interesting thing with mental health is like, it doesn't appear externally the way that like one experiences it internally. And I kind of almost like felt invalidated by her at the time though, again, like still people pleasing. So I was like, yeah, you're right. Like, no, 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 I'm totally fine. And like, I remember like giggling with her on the phone and being like, no worries, like take your time. But like a part of me inside was like, hurry the fuck up lady. Like I need a therapist. So anyways, I finally get this therapist. And at this time, I'm just feel like I'm like, suffering with a brave face, I think is the best way to put it. Like, and like, just like white knuckling through life. Like I, everything is uncomfortable and like, I'm panicking all the time and I'm not going to certain places because I'm scared. I'm going to go like panic there. My world is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And so I got this new therapist and like right off the bat, like I was like, this is not a fit, but I was like, I've just been waiting so long to get a therapist that like, I'm going to suck it up. I'm going to like see where this goes. And I think like I just was not making enough progress at this time. And I just felt so alone that at one point, like I think I just was like, I have to take things into my own hands. And so I remember just like casually like looking online, looking on Instagram and being like, is there anybody like talking about anxiety and like what this is? And I was like looking into like basically like what are, what are anxiety disorders what are panic disorders like what is this and then finally finding like language to it so basically up until this point like no one had told me about this stuff like i just was feeling all these things but like again i was in very traditional talk therapy like i was not being like properly diagnosed or like spoken to about anything which again i think it has a time and a place like i don't know if i necessarily needed to be like and I, I don't always believe in having labels because sometimes it's just like we just need to experience the emotions of the human experience and not like make more of them than it needs to be. But at this time, like I think I just really needed to be like, what's going on? And so I take things into my own hands and I find basically like this life-saving Instagram account called it's at anxiety Josh. I'm just going to flag that like right here. If you've ever dealt with any sort of anxiety or panic, like his page is freaking amazing. He is just like this insane therapist who goes into like psychoeducation and basically like desensitizes, decharges anything around like panic and anxiety because he got into the work because he dealt with this. Like he had basically the experiences that I was experiencing and was so passionate about helping people that he ended up like 
becoming a licensed practitioner and like is a renowned person in this space. So anyways, I like find this gem of a human being on the internet and I'm like, oh my God, I order his book. I send his book to my brother. Like we are just like, oh my God. Okay. Okay. Like here, here we go. I'm still in therapy with this kind of shitty therapist. And then basically I'm like at this point where I'm just getting like really fucking annoyed with dealing with everything. I'm just like, I'm not making progress. I'm still dealing with this. I'm sick of dealing with this. And I go on vacation. I have like a panic attack on vacation. Like at this point, like I did so many panic attacks. I was just like, whatever. But I had this panic attack on vacation. And I just remember being like, this is it. Like, this is the fucking where I draw the line. I'm so sick of this. Like, I am so sick of this. And this is where I feel like a lot of transformation happens with mental health, which is when I, I'll get into this in kind of the next section about advocating for myself, but let's put a pin in this. Like feeling sick of it is actually a really good thing. So I go back, I like have this annoying panic attack. I go to this shitty therapist and I'm just like, what do I do? Like I, I, I had this awful like panic and I don't know what to do. And I remember her just like immediately being like, I think you need meds. And I literally like lost it. Like I just like was sobbing to her on the call. This was like a crying era for me, just so you guys know. Like I was crying so much and I look back on it and I'm just like, I had so much emotion that I needed to move through. It is crazy. But I just remember her like offering it to me and something in me didn't feel it didn't feel right and I just want to put like side note here meds are so amazing like thank goodness they exist I'm so happy they exist I am so happy that we have modern medicine to help with any sort of chemical imbalances and just deal with hard times but there was a part of me that like this therapist was shitty and I was just like, I was not driving with her and I was just like, I just, I remember thinking the, the real feeling was like that I had was I felt like I hadn't gotten started. I felt like I hadn't gotten to the core of something and I was just like, wait, ah, this feels like a bandaid. Like something just didn't feel right. And that this is just my personal experience. Like I said, I'm such an advocate for meds. If that works for you, if that's something that is part of your journey, if that is something that like, you know, you need it at a certain point. And again, I'm not knocking it because like, I've already come to terms with myself being like, if I ever deal with certain bouts of things in my life again, like, and there's a chance and time and place where I might need to be on medication, like, that is so fine. I am totally at peace with this. But again, like I said, I remember just like this deep knowing in my heart being like, but I haven't gotten to the core of this. Cause again, I hadn't even gotten a freaking diagnosis. So I was like, what are the meds for? Like, again, so in the dark here. So I end this session and I am furious. I'm sobbing. I'm just like a mess of myself. And I just deeply remember being like, okay, I really need to take this into my own hands because, you know, this practice is not aligning with me. Like I had that great therapist, Lily, but like this 
the head of the practice wasn't believing me, that I wasn't in as rough of a place as I was. This new practitioner was just not meeting me where I was at for the level of help that I needed at the time and support that I needed at the time. And I remember just being like, this is not it. So I kind of like, this was just like another massive wake up call for me. So I call one of my very best friends who is, we call her Dr. Disco Barbie. (laughs) She is like an actual unicorn. I'm obsessed with her. I'm just going to, for anonymity here, I'm going to call her Dr. Disco Barbie. She is my friend who is about to get her doctorate in psychology um, and like is just a therapy guru and is, she was like my knight in shining armor. So I call my best friend. I call Dr. Disco Barbie. I call her sobbing, like could not get a word out sobbing. And I basically was like, this scenario happened. Please tell me, like, I just need a third party opinion of somebody who like works in this space. Like, did what happened to me, like, make sense? Do I need, do you think I should go on meds? Like, again, I wasn't pulling someone for there like to make a decision for me but I was just so in the dark about this entire thing and she was furious on the call with me she basically was like she was like Tati I think like honestly like this feels like a bit of malpractice like the scenario that you had she's like that might be kind of an extreme word but she was just like you you have a panic disorder she's like and I can tell you that right here and now and she was just like she was so kind to me. She was like, just so you know, like this is one of the most curable disorders, but you're struggling right now. And she goes, meds is helpful, but she's like, it's not a long-term solution. And she was like, I think she suggested the therapy modality that I should go through first before I considered meds. And she was like, you need to go to cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. And she was like, this is one of the most well-studied therapy practices for people who have anxiety, panic disorders, any sort of like phobias, um, like this is what you need. And she was like, I think from there, you can always revisit with them. Like if you want to try going on a meds journey, but she was like, I just, I, I really like screw this therapist, like, like ditch her. And basically she's like, you need to break up with her next session. So <laughs> Like, Dr. Disco Barbie, like, literally was a saving grace. She literally just, like, helped me so much just to kind of, like, wrap my head around things. Like, to this day, she's just, like, I'm so proud of you for, like, calling me at that time. Like, I know that was so hard for you. And again, like, this is, this kind of goes into my next chapter of, like, advocating for myself and asking for support. And this is something that, like, I've never really done. Like, I am always the friend people come to for advice. Like, I, like, people always say to me, they're like, you are the person who's like so stable and like feels so safe. And like, you are someone who I can come to. And I've always like felt good about being that for other people. But I realized I had gone too far into that pendulum. Again, even with the group of friends that I broke up with, they were always like, you're the person like, you're fine. We always know you're fine. Like, like we can just come to you for advice. But I realized it wasn't an equitable relationship. Like I was just giving, 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 but that's what I was comfortable also doing. I have to like own that as well. And so I kind of like had to enter my receiving era, like being someone who was okay with receiving support, being someone who's okay, like with needing other people, like actually like requiring their 
guidance, their support. So just talking to Dr. Disco Barbie <laughs> was like a really important piece of this equation. So I go to my next therapy session. I break up with my therapist. Bye, bye, bye. And I find, I basically like Google online and I found a practice through Anxiety Josh, that account that I talked about. There is a practice in California in the Los Angeles area. And um, he works very closely with this woman. I think it's like Dr. Kimberly Quinlan. I'll link all of this below in the show notes. But I find this practice through him and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like a great option because like this resource has helped me so much. This is well vetted. This is based in California State. Like I can go through this person. So like put them there, like put them in the corner. I'm like, okay, this is an option. Then I'm Googling around and I literally, guys, like I can't believe this I found this, but I was Googling and I found a CBT, cognitive behavioral therapist. To quickly backtrack, CBT is just basically like retraining thoughts, right? We'll get into a bit of that actually with my work with my most recent therapist, but I found him and I was just like Googling around and I see on his page, it just is like CBT, like specializing in panic disorder. And I was just like, oh, oh my gosh. So I kind of like have intro calls with each of these people, this like practice that was well vetted through this Instagram account that I loved. And then this like person who specialized in also panic disorder. And I was like, I just like couldn't believe I found this person who specialized in panic disorder. Guys, he lives in my neighborhood. Like, like he was like, oh, we can like do little walks around like the neighborhood if you wanted to like do therapy sessions in person. And I just I couldn't believe I found this like gem of a human being. Anyways, so I have intro calls with each of them. I end up going with him. He's in my neighborhood. Something about him just feels so right. Like I, again, like like a little like godsend came down to me. I could not believe that I found him. And immediately right off the bat, he was just like, okay. He's like, so you have a panic disorder. Um, like, like literally on the like our intro call, he's like, I think you have a panic disorder. He goes, and I think you have like a bout of agoraphobia, which is just like a fear of going out in public because of the panic disorder, i.e., like the panic disorder has been making your world smaller and smaller because you don't want to like you fear going places because you you think that going places is gonna trigger something, which is like a whole like thought rewiring process that I went through with him to make my world bigger. But essentially, he immediately gets on the phone. He like immediately kind of like labels it. He is a funny guy, which by the way, like gift of humor, everybody, like what a fucking blessing. Like I, like I just like, it felt like I had a like little like fairy angel, like come into my world and just be like, oh yeah, I've dealt with this before. This is a thing. You have this. Um, And like, he's so matter of fact, and he gave me, like, on our first call, just so much psychoeducation, like, like what I had been looking for for the past, like, year and a half. Like, I went through kind of, like, a year and a half of, like, total, like, suffering with a brave face and not knowing much and trying to educate myself, but, like, not having the validation from, like, a practitioner who works in this. So, like, immediately getting, like, the validation from this, this therapist was absolutely life-changing. So, he gets on the phone with me. He's like, oh, yeah, okay. He's like, the reason why, like, you're going into fight or flight is because, like, your body, like, is just, like, on a fast track into, like, thinking that you're basically being chased by, like, a tiger, a lion, like, whatever. Like, this is how our bodies reacted, like, back in the day when we really needed to, like, just go into fight or flight, like, just 
get the fuck out. Like, we are in a really dangerous scenario. And he's like, because we don't encounter those things anymore, like, to this day, but we still have, like, different reactions. Basically, he's like, we need to, like, desensitize your fight or flight. Like, we need to neutralize it. We need to bring you back to neutral because you are way, you are in a way heightened state. And the main thing, like, regardless of if you're someone who deals with specifically panic, anxiety, whatever you are dealing with, I think that psychoeducation is just one of the most important things that we can gift ourselves. Like, I felt immediately less alone. I was able to, and like, I remember talking to my brother at this time. He like, didn't go through what I went through in such an extreme way, but he, like, like I said, like he was suffering some, from some panic and I was kind of had been in it for so long that I was like, I already know what you need to do. Like, find this therapist, you'll be fine. And like, I, he's like visited me a couple of times since and he's like totally in a really good spot because he was like, oh yeah, the psychoeducation of everything like changed, changed the game for me. So anyways, I basically learned like my work with this therapist. He was like, our one assignment here is like, we are trying to just make your world bigger and safer again. And I was like, thank you so much. Like, I remember just like being so emotional and like happy to have found someone who's like, I'm here to help you fix this thing that has gotten out of control, quite frankly. Um, And he was like giving me like details on how this is like statistically like really, you know, like curable, if you will. We'll get into that in a second. Um, And he just basically taught me that like, it's okay to panic. It's not dangerous. Um, And he helped me to really rewire my neural pathways. And to go back to what we were talking about a couple moments ago, which is when I was saying that I was at a point before I found this therapist that I was just so frustrated. He was telling me, he's like, you know, you're healing. Cause I remember being like, how do I know that I'm making progress in this? And he was like, you know, you're healing when you're no longer as scared of panic as you are annoyed by its presence. I'm just going to like say that one more time. You know, you are healing when you are no longer in the emotion of that feeling but you have your contextualizing emotion outside of it and you're annoyed or bothered or angry or whatever it might be at the presence of it, right? Like you could be dealing with depression, you could be dealing with anxiety, you could be dealing with panic, whatever it might be. And I like that rocked my world because I was like, oh my gosh, okay, I am making present, I am making change. I remember like having a couple of different like bouts of like panic after that. And then just like having like moments where I'd catch it and be like, this is so freaking annoying. Like I remember like sitting on my couch once I was like feeling all this panic. And then I was like, oh, fuck this. Like I remember just like saying it loud <laughs> in my house. I was like, fuck this. And like, I just kind of like was able to be like, huh. And I just like laughed about it. And I was like, I'm just going to carry on. And I basically like stopped it in its tracks and I was like, whoa, that was really crazy. And anyways, so just like getting a lot of education around that and not believing every single thought as fact um, was really important for me. And a huge thing was thought reframing, which I think everybody needs on like a fundamental level, whether or not like you're in a disordered state. I'm like, gosh, we everybody needs to be taught this level of psychoeducation from a young age. So for me, it was thought reframing a lot around like what ifs. Like I'd kind of spiral into like, well, what if this happens and then this and then this and then this. And a lot of my work with my therapist was like going through each of those what ifs and then kind of at the end being like, okay, now where are you? And being like, oh, wait, that wasn't as bad as I thought, right? Like if every bad scenario happened that I dreamt up in my head, like, you know, okay. And then what? So it was a lot of thought reframing and 
also exposure therapy. So like taking those thoughts into real time and like testing them. And like I said, my world was getting really small. I was getting like slightly agoraphobic. And so I just remember being like, I'm ready. Like I'm I'm done with this. I'm sick of this. Again, like fueled by the emotion of annoyance. And I was like, I have nothing to lose here. And so I started to really, really expand my world and do so scared. So I just kind of want to say like a big thing for me is a lot of like, sometimes you just have to do it scared um, and show yourself and walk yourself through to the other side. So a lot of people on this podcast here are talking about going and playing tennis and how it's such an amazing third place for me and how I love getting outside and it's been a great like way to reconnect with a pleasure practice in my community. Going to tennis in the first place was a really big exposure for me. I was really scared. I was scared I was going to panic. I was scared I was going to pass out. Like I like was really, 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 really nervous. And But I knew that I wanted to become, I wanted to play and I wanted to meet other people because I knew that like there was such beauty in getting out there and it was something that I loved to do when I was younger. So it was a really, really big exposure. And I remember just like that was a huge feat and to like get there and go there and like work through that over the next couple of weeks of really, really desensitizing it and making it like a safe space. And so like this whole work with my therapist was like making more and more, just making the world like my safe space, right? And learning that I was okay and learning that I was safe and learning that like I could experience any emotion. It's not going to harm me in any way. And I can I can make and bring safety wherever I go. Um, this also came into like expanding my social circles because I had so much blank space to fill you guys, which is so interesting, right? Like I left this group of friends, like I had didn't have any sense of like community quite yet. And so like there were just a lot of pockets. There was a lot of room, a lot of voids. And I think I was just like, like marinating in them instead of like getting behind it. Again, like it was very pandemic-y, like isolating times. So I think there was that extra hurdle of getting over the hump of like getting and expanding into circles. But like that was a really big thing for me. Again, like a really big exposure therapy. I remember going to like some networking event and I was like shaking on the way there. And I just like, just was so nervous. And I remember being like, this is so important for me to just show myself through. I'm so bloody scared. I'm alone right now. Like it was a lot of things that like my, a lot of my securities, quote unquote, were like not there. Again, like a fallacy of panic and anxiety is like thinking you need all these different like securities around you, whether it's like always having like cold water or like having like a person with you or like, you know, we we attach a lot of meaning to things that actually like don't really make a difference and are just like false securities. And so I remember going to this networking event and I was like shaking in my boots literally and I didn't have any of my securities and I just was like I like had a little like quick cry in the car on the way there and I was just like I can't do this like but I just like had to have that like emotional release and I was the last person to leave this party. Like I I got there. I remember like being so nervous the first like couple minutes. I really had to like self-regulate and just like be there and show myself through. And I was like, you know what? All I have to do is show up and be there for the first like hour was kind of my goal. And then I was like, I can politely leave. You know, I always had like a quote unquote exit plan. 
I remember being like, okay, sure, that's there, but like, can we prove that wrong? And then I literally was the last person to leave because I was having so much fun. And I was so proud of myself that night because I was like, not only did I make it past that first hour, but like, I was literally the last person to leave the house. So that was like very, very thrilling to me. And then the other exposure therapy, which I haven't really touched a lot on this, but a part of my panic has been a lot of fear around like, panicking so much that I will pass out and like be out of control. Like, I don't know why my brain has like tied all of these things together. Has that ever happened? No. Um, Again, like a, a whole bit of thought rewiring that I've had to do and unpack and continually practice. But for some reason, between all the different like life events that happened, my brain decided to, sh- to sew like my cup being filled, my overwhelm, my grief, and then like the like weird passing out incident that I had together and like decided to make this lovely mixing pot of a phobia (laughs) around passing out, which by the way, I'm like still working on desensitizing, but like it's getting better and better each day. Another mantra of mine, like I fully believe that it's going to be something that doesn't phase me very soon. I am fully working through it, but because of that weird passing out incident, then I had this phobia of getting blood drawn and I ended up last summer getting blood drawn for different like health reasons three different times and but I remember by the way I never passed out from getting blood drawn like the only time that ever happened was because someone who wasn't a phlebotomist took my blood okay so (laughs) every other time has been fine that was a huge hurdle for me that exposure of being like you know what I'm safe I'm good and I like I'm so cute with the girls now too or like guys or whoever's like taking my blood I'm like okay listen I fucking hate this um and I make a joke of it too right like the gift of humor you guys the gift of the reframe of humor I'm just like you know what I'm scared there's a part of me that's so bloody scared right now like I actually like there's a part of me literally in fight or flight but there's another part of me that thinks this is funny. There's another part of me who's really fucking annoyed by this. There are all different parts of me like interacting in this equation. So like I remember I was really scared that first time I had to get it done, but um like they just like laid me down on the table and they were like, look, we'll have you lie down. Like we're gonna give you our best girl and it went perfectly well. And then from there I had two more instances where I needed to get blood drawn and then I was like, okay, and I just like tell them like, look, I I advocate for myself, right? Like another thing. Um, I'm like, look, I need to just be lying down because um, that helps with blood flow um, and get, making sure you're getting enough blood to the brain. So I was just like, look, I need to be lying down. Just do this. I'm going to look away, do it as fast as possible. And like, we'll move on. And if I pass out, I pass out. Like, it's going to be fine. Like, I'm I'm safe. And that took me a long time to get to, but that was a very, very important exposure that I needed to get through. And it's still something I'm kind of working on. Like I still have a bit of a fear around it if I'm going to be honest. But again, like I have so much empathy for myself and I just know that like life isn't always going to be comfortable. Like I'm going to have to do things that are going to make me uncomfortable. And like, I just want to be neutral about it. And that was a lot of my work with my current therapist or the most recent therapist that I saw, which was about like, look, like, is it good? No. Is it bad? No. Can it be neutral? Sure. So that kind of was a lot of what I went through. So yeah, just to give you, that's kind of like a lot of the work that I went through. And I really feel like I've gotten to the other side, which is a really important thing that I want to share with everybody listening is that sometimes when you're struggling with anything that has to do with your mental health, it can feel like it's a forever thing. I remember like thinking and saying to a couple of different therapists, like, is this just how the future is going to be? Is this like forever for me? And them kind of being like, oh no, like 
not at all, not in any way. And at the time, I was like, do I believe them? But obviously, now looking back, I'm like, of course, like they've walked through fires themselves. They help people every single day walk through fires. Like they're the ones who see this in action and see how much the human experience is constantly changing, constantly evolving. Nothing is ever fixed. And it's just been so wild to kind of be in this position right now, feeling like I'm like 90% back to it's funny because I don't even want to say back to who I am. I'm not back to who I am. I am a new person. Like if I was back to who I was, and I remember constantly thinking that too in my healing journey, like I just want to be back to who I was, like who I recognize myself as. And it's been a whole reclamation of redefining who I am, redefining my being and like how I walk through this world. And so I would like to say, actually, I'm not 90% who I am. I'm 90% a different person. I'm 100% a different person who might still sometimes deal with a reminder of panic and anxiety, but also it's now at a very, very normal um, range of that. And it can kind of really only continue getting better from here because again, I'm getting better every each and every single day. And I think another really big lesson that I want to share with people and the reason why I'm telling this story in its entirety is because up levels rarely feel good. Like anytime we go through any type of change, we're upticking our nervous system. We are putting ourselves into a state outside of what has been comfortable, regardless of if it's been beneficial to us, it's we're leaving a state of what is quote unquote comfortable. And of course, it's going to kind of dishevel things. It's going to disorientate things. And mine was kind of like an extreme melting pot of all of the things that kind of like went lopsided. But I want to say that like there is such beauty in that. And now I know if I am going through any of these emotions or if I am dealing with experiences that do feel like this, I'm like, I know that there's something on the other side of this that is so magical and so transformative. And I also realized for me, like the word disorientation, which is something that like really stuck with me because it's like, it kind of ties itself with like the dizziness and the fear of passing out and like this phobia. I was like, wow, maybe what is disorienting to me is coming into consciousness, right? Like me coming into my conscious being and that can feel out of whack because I'm entering an entirely new plane and version of myself that hasn't been walked and hasn't been down that path before. But I just I look at it almost as like, oh my God, this is such a beautiful thing. Like I am coming more and more into myself, more into my consciousness, more into, right? Like my fear of unconsciousness. Guys, like there's like a lot of weird symbolism here, but it's like having a fear of passing out is like a phobia that I've 
discovered and deciphered for myself is a phobia of unconsciousness and living an unconscious life. And like, I am so passionate about having like a very conscious life as many of us are, but it, it, it goes really deep. And, you know, like embracing that, you know what, maybe this disorientation for a second is me coming more into my beingness and into that next level of self. And through all of this, I have connected to my spiritual practices. I have never been more resourced than I am now. I know I mentioned kind of some of the modalities. Um, I'll probably save like another podcast episode for like different ways that you can regulate your nervous system on a very tangible way. But I have learned so many tools around regulating my nervous system and making sure that I am never overfilling that cup, that that cup is always half full and that, you know, I am managing my own time and energy in a way that works for me because I've come into this autonomy that I've never had before. I've worked on self-talk so much. Like I have really become my biggest cheerleader in this entire process. And I've also learned that healing isn't linear by any means. And but it's always making progress. So it's progressing, but it's not always linear. And some days are hard, but I learn from those days and I only get better from those days every single time. So I just want to like give a little hope there if, you've, if you're in the shit of it or if you've ever been in the shit of it that like it is a step-by-step process that you have the full capability of walking yourself through, creating an entire support system around, and creating boundaries around too, right? Like I remember feeling like my emotions were so out of control at one point, like being like, wow, I'm really like led by these. And I've learned to not only put boundaries around my relationships, but around my emotions too. Like, let's say that I have like an important thing to do during the day and something like maybe I have a really big uptick in anxiety or something, or like I'm just feeling off. A lot of the times I'll talk to myself and be like, okay, adult resourced Tatiana like really wants to do this thing right now. Like I have a really fun obligation. Maybe it's like a work thing. I really want to do this and I really, really want to do this well. And I'm super excited about it. There's another part of me that feels like it's this like scared, sometimes younger version of myself that is maybe nervous about something. It's okay. You can be there. But I just want to let you know, like this is the dialogue I have to myself. I just want to let you know, like you can't run the show right now. I'm going to give you some time, enter boundary, of when we can address this together. Like when we can talk about this in a time and place that works for me, that um, we can just like address how you're feeling. So I don't ignore that version of myself. I don't like suppress the nerves or like whatever is like like coming into my sphere at that time and place. I'm like, you know what? I, I actually acknowledge this. I accept this. I see this. I see you. I hear you. Let's let's address this later. And then usually like maybe the next morning, like whatever boundary I put around it, like I'll maybe journal about it or meditate on it or like go on a walk or like just give myself some like deep belly breaths around it. And I make sure to come back to that space. But I think another part of me is just like, I'm again, back to the annoyance, like sick of this emotion running the show right now. Like, no, you don't get to sit into the driver's seat. Like I sit in the driver's seat. Um, You can exist. And that's another big part of my 
like healing journey has been like, look, I'm just going to let whatever emotions need to come to the surface, come to the surface in a boundaried way. But also a lot of the time when I do deal with anxiety or panic, it's just like, what would, what would I just normally keep doing? How, how can I not let this run the show and like dictate my next steps for the day? Like, how can I still like show up to the grocery store and like do what I was going to do today? Um, maybe do so a little bit more gently, do so with a little bit more self-care and mindfulness, but really like, how can I still show up for myself? So anyways, that's kind of a bit of where I am today, where I'm st- I'm now have found myself so deeply connected to my mantras of getting better every day, my tactics around and boundaries around managing anxiety, how I've really, really connected to the spiritual world and my spirit guides. They are really just like such a driving force in how I stay inspired and passionate and feel like I am continually healing and growing and improving and just being the best version of myself yet. And embracing that like the human experience isn't something that's fixed, like nothing is forever. And really like I think the last thing I'll share with you guys is that I have experimented with kind of taking some of these quote-unquote negative emotions, again, like like working on neutralizing those, but taking what one might think is a negative emotion and working on transforming that because I have come to the recognition that the, like, for whatever reason, I have dealt with a panic disorder. And that means I just, I feel really deeply. I sense a lot of things around me that maybe a lot of people might not sense. Like I just am very hypersensitive. There was one point where I was just like very hypervigilant. And in a way, it's kind of part of my superpower of being such like an empathetic person, of being such a hyper creative person, of like being me. It's a part of my meanness. And I think taking some of the the energetics of that and like transmuting it into something that can maybe feel like, okay, the best way I can say that this is like taking some of that energy and transmuting it and making it into a new experience has been really, really cool to see. So like sometimes taking that like really sensitive side of myself and being like, okay, like how can I like, I don't know, make art about this or like translate this into something else. And so it's been really, really exciting to see how um, all of that plays into the way that I express myself, into the way that I take care of myself. You know, I talk a lot about building pleasure practices, but this is like a core example of why I fight so much for my pleasure and for my own practices that really enrich me because I've seen how much they benefit me and when I'm putting them at the forefront, it's really what helps me to manage that more intense anxiety, if you will. And it allows me to keep that cup half full. So it like that has just super sped my self-care in terms of like allowing myself enough rest, in terms of allowing myself to, you know, pace better, to luxuriate more, to pamper myself, right? Like all of these things contribute to helping me to regulate my nervous system and keep things um, in a neutral category because I was so 
dysregulated. And now it's really coming into that I know I keep saying the autonomy of it, which is like, what do I want and need right now? What are the things that are going to make me feel good, that are going to fuel me, that are going to regulate me? And how can I make this like a lifestyle change, right? Like not something that is just like a one and done and not just troubleshooting for one thing, but like how can I make this an entirely sustainable practice? So that's kind of my story, you guys. I I feel really good about sharing this. Like I said, it is something that took me a really, really long time to want to share with you guys because I was so in the thick of it and I wanted to come to this topic feeling like I was resourced enough to be a bit of a guide around this and to share my experience and not have any sort of emotional charge around things, right? Like if I came, if I was recording this like a year ago, (laughs) I would have been like panicking through it. And the thing is that like I just had to really have my own transformative journey to then be able to kind of look at this in a high level place. And that's where I feel like I'm at with it right now. Like I feel really healed within this spot and like I am entering almost like this new level of healing because I can kind of look at everything from a bit more of a bird's eye view and through the gift of acceptance, through the gift of humor, through the gift of just boundary setting and asking for support in my life, like I've been able to get to this place and it feels so fucking magical to be on the other side of it. So I just want to like give you hope. And if you've ever been through something like this or if you're experiencing this, like you have this. And I will link some of my favorite resources that have helped me through this process in the show notes below, which include just different like podcasts and therapists who speak around this topic. But I just want to say like if you are in a place where you need support, gift that to yourself, you guys. Really, truly, you are worthy of it. You are deserving of it. And you have the power to build a team around you that works for you. I have a podcast episode all about this, but really like I am a huge advocate for like building out your support system, build out your team of therapists, build out your team of practitioners and healthcare providers and OBGYNs and friends and community and resources and services. Like Build that out for yourself because no one else is going to do that for you. Like you're the one who has to sit in the seat and take responsibility for it, right? Like again, a big part of what my own healing journey looked like was that I didn't want to take responsibility. I was like, this isn't me. This isn't mine. It was and it still is. And so I think like that's a bit of the hard truth, but the second you can own that and then make action around it is when like things transform is when things quantum leap it's when you tap into that version of yourself you didn't even know you could be i remember when i first started therapy 
when I moved to Los Angeles with that, with Lily, I remember telling her, I feel like I'm up against this brick wall that's miles high and I don't know how to get to the other side. And it was just like this very vivid picture that will never like leave my mind. And I remember talking with her being like, I just, I don't have the tools to get to the other side. I don't know how to knock the wall down, but there's something on the other side of that wall. And now I'm in a place where I'm like, that wall doesn't exist anymore. Like I have I have piece by piece taken down the bricks. I have like reorganized things. I have tools. I have resources. I have made myself like into this version of myself that I didn't know was possible and that I think I saw a glimmer of myself as, but it is just like I've far surpassed that. So I want to give you hope that if you've hit what feels like that brick wall, like there is the possibility of getting to the other side. It just takes a little bit of faith and a lot of bit of support and running with it. So I'll leave you with that. I love you guys so much. Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you feel like this helped you in some sort of way, let me know. Shoot me a DM. I think now you can like even leave comments on Spotify. Um, there's like a little like Q&A, like reply section. Get creative with that. I don't know. <laughs> Share this with a friend if you feel like it might benefit them on their own mental health journey. This was the story I wish I heard when I was going through this, and I am so happy I was able to deliver this to you, and I promise that there is another side that is so beautiful like you can't even imagine. So, whew, got a little emotional there. Oh, we made it that far, though. <laughs> Feel free to leave this episode a five-star review. Like I said, share it with a friend. And I love you guys. I'm rooting for you. I'm cheering for you always. And I can't wait to catch up with you next week. All right. Have a lovely rest of your week. We'll talk soon. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to The Bedside Podcast. I hope you loved this episode as much as we did making it. If you have any feedback, questions, or suggestions for future episodes, or if you just want to chat, don't hesitate to reach out to us at The Bedside on Instagram and thebedside.co online. You can also find us at By The Bedside on TikTok. To stay updated on our latest episodes, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your preferred platform. And if you found this episode valuable, I would so greatly appreciate if you could leave us a rating, a review, text it to a friend, share it to your Instagram stories. Let's get this message out there loud and clear. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you next week.